All right, good morning, party people. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all for being here this morning. <clears throat> we're a little late this morning because we were having technical difficulties as it happens, but hopefully you can hear me and everything like that. As you know, we still have internet issues, so there's going to be no video. We're just doing audio today, but that's okay. Uh, welcome, everybody. Thank you all for joining us today. It is uh, Sunday, October 1st. It's the 1st of October already. This year has totally flown by. Holy Lord. Anyway, we do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time if we can get our stuff together. So thank you all for being here today. We're going to continue on with uh, chapter 21 in the book of Matthew. We did chapter 20 last week, and then we'll do uh, 21. And then next week, I think we're going to, um, next couple weeks, I think we'll probably take a little, uh, you know, diverge from the course a little bit. And I think we're going to do one called Grifters, what, what did I call it? Shills, what is it? Grifters, deceivers, frauds, and the deceived, something like that. Um, gonna gonna be naming some names, calling some people out when it comes to uh, modern science and stuff like that and religion and that sort of thing. But uh, today we're gonna continue on with Math Matthew chapter 21, and this one is, now I say this a lot, but this one is a banger. My Lord, this one is a banger, guys. Just, just wait, okay? It's gonna be long. It's like 43 verses, so strap in. It's gonna be a long one. So, all right, but first, let's do a proper prayer. Refuge God, my world feels shaken and out of control. Ground me in the truth of your love. Remind me that you are with me in this suffering and that you do not judge me for what is beyond my control. Great physician, deliver me from the prison of my mind. When my thoughts turn to disorder, return me to a peace that surpasses understanding. As I look towards your strength to wrestle with my intrusive thoughts, give me the wisdom to know when and how to seek help. Amen. And last week we talked about the great physician. It's something I forgot to mention that Jesus Christ is a healer. He's the great physician. He's the great healer. And what did we find? What did we find? That he represents the great alchemical universal panacea, the great medicine. So uh, pretty great there. Okay. So let's jump into it. Let's just get going right away. And this is Matthew chapter 21. And we're going to be doing every line and every letter. Okay, not much gematria today. In fact, I did this whole, <laughs> I basically broke this whole thing down and then I, I, I went back and I, I was like, we don't even need to do gematria. I think I'm going to do gematria once today just to show you how, how important it is, how important it is to understand the, the mathematics behind this and how potent it is. So let's do it. All right, Matthew chapter 21, numero uno. Actually, I'm going to read the first five here and then we'll go back and we'll pick this baby, part, baby apart, okay? When they drew nigh unto Jerusalem... And were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples. Didn't tell you who the disciples were, by the way. You have to figure it out from the context of the, of the, the story, and we'll do exactly that. Saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, the king cometh until thee, unto thee, meek, and sitteth, sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the fowl of an ass. Oh, the fowl, the foal of an ass, I think is how you say that. So, basically, there's a great story um, in the Bible that a lot of Christians know, and it's basically about this fact that Jesus the Messiah comes, fulfills the prophecy, and he, re and he shows up on a donkey, shows up on an ass. What does this mean? Well, we're going to figure it out today, okay? So let's go back and first let's uh, look at uh, chapter 1 here. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent 
Jesus to disciples, okay? So the first thing we're gonna have to pick apart is, hey, as we know, these stories are parabolic. These stories are reflective in the stars. That's what it's all about. These stories are reflective in the heaven, just as the, you know, of course, just as the, um, the great Lord's prayer tells us, in earth as it is in heaven. That's exactly what we pray when we, we do the Lord's prayer. So we're just taking that to heart. We're taking that to, uh, you know, uh, we're applying that wisdom, okay? So the Mount of Olives, as we know, is the place, and it even says it's the place where Jesus, the Messiah, ascended into heaven. Okay, and it's called the Mount of Olives, and it's literally O live, O live, meaning eternal life. That's what it means. Okay, and an olive, an olive branch is actually a symbol for peace, too. So, and the Mount of Olives, it separates the most holy place, the Temple Mount, from the Judean desert to the east. So, if we realize that the Mount of Olives is representative of the pole star, Polaris, because it's the highest point, and it's the place literally where souls enter into heaven. So, the Bible's giving you specifics about your cosmology. Okay, so and that's the Temple Mount. Why is it on the Mount? So the Mount of Olives is the pole star. Why is it on the Mount? Because as we know, cultures across the world, and we celebrate all these cultures, we, we recognize that all of these cultures have something to share with us, and all of them represent, when you get down to the core of them, esoterically, they have Christ in them. What, what, what are all these cultures telling us? There's a, there's a central mountain in, the cent, in, the, you know, in our cosmology. There's a center mountain in the thing. And this mountain is representative of the pole star. It's the, it's the highest of the heights, okay? And when it says the Mount of Olives, right, it even says the Mount of Olives, it even gives you specifics. Well, there's a Judean desert to the east. We've talked about this before. Okay, well, just look at the pole star and just look at the constellations that are right next to it. You have Camelopardalis. You have the Lynx. You have Leo Minor. You have Leo Major, the you know constellation. You have a beehive. What do all these things do? They all live in deserts. Camels live in des deserts. That's what Camel Lepardalis is. It's a camel and a leopard. It actually is the constellation of a giraffe. So what is what lives in deserts? Giraffes, camels, leopards, lynx, lions, a couple of them, bees. They all live in deserts. And this is the holy mountain, the world tree that we always talk about. So this is the mountain that's in the center. It even tells you that this is where Jesus ascended into heaven. What does the Old Testament, and of course, as we're seeing in the New Testament, tell you exactly where that is? Polaris. This isn't, the place that you ascend into heaven isn't somewhere roaming around in the, you know, metaphysicality of your mind that you just have to make up and listen to a bunch of old Hindus or old Christians tell you. What, no, 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 no. God put that place visibly where you can see it. Okay. So now we see that Jesus, and so this is going to lead us to where the other constellations are and exactly where we are in the sky. So this is Jesus and he rides an ass. Now this is a very famous sort of scene or whatever, right? It's the Messiah's donkey. And this comes from the Old Testament. And of course, it basically says in Jewish tradition, the Messiah's donkey, refer, it's an ass, right? Upon, the Messiah, uh, upon which this, this donkey, the Messiah will arrive to redeem the world at the end of days. In modern Hebrew, the phrase the Messiah's donkey is used to refer to someone who does the dirty work on behalf of somebody else. So that's what Jesus is coming to do. He's arriving on the ass and he's doing the dirty work, if you will. He's cleaning up. He's cleaning house. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's going to be cleansing the temple here. And then it comes from Zechariah. It says, your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation. Is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the fowl of a donkey? So it's basically, that comes from the Old Testament. What do we have? Jesus fulfilling the prophecy. And this is what it's all about. This is, once again, when it says, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, this is, that, this is Jesus fulfilling the prophecy. 
And we're going to see why that's important. And then it actually gives you the prophecy. Ah, oh, the daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh in, sitting upon an ass. Okay. Now, it even says, so what is Bethphage here? So this is going to tell you all of these, as we've talked about before, whenever the Bible gives you a specific city or specific name or something that, you know, you have to look up. It's because within that term or that city or whatever is clues to tell you where you are celestially, where you are in your cosmology. So we already know where the Mount of Olives is. Then we got two disciples of Jesus. Well, those are, those are zodiacal signs that we're going to have to assign to them. What's Bethphage? What's Bethphage? Well, this is going to give you a clue. Bethphage means, it basically, Beth means house. And this is the second Hebrew letter, Aleph, Beth. That's where alphabet comes from. Aleph, Beth, Beth means house. Mostly denotes the realm of the authority of the house of the father. And then Faj basically means unripe fruit. It means not yet ripe figs. Not yet ripe figs. So this is a house. Bethphage is a house of not yet ripe figs. Well, we just have to look at when do figs ripen? Well, outdoor grown figs will ripen in August through September in, in zone six and seven, you know, around, basically around, you know, five, six, seven is the zone where, of course, um, the, the Middle East is, if you, if you will. So Bethphage literally means the house of unripe figs. It is the name of the hamlet between Jericho and Jerusalem. So it's right by Jericho. So we have this house, which is a zodiacal sign. We'll get to it in just a second. It's of unripe figs, and it's right by Jericho. What's Jericho? It's the city of the moon. We just covered this last week. The city of the moon. Jericho is a, a Arabic origin. It means the city of the moon. What is the ruling planet of um, Cancer? It's, its ruling planet is what? The moon. The moon. So what do we have? We'll go back. Uh, actually, I'll just show here in a second. We'll keep going here. So we can see that, hey, he's, he's, he's you know, calling two disciples forward, right? He's saying, go to this village over against. Okay, well, what does a village mean? Once again, let's just pick apart every single word of this line. What does a village mean? It means several houses. That's what a village means. It says, when they drew nigh unto a place where there was unripened figs, near the city of peace, unto the Mount of Olives, which is the Mount of Stars that leads right up to the pole star, Jesus sent two disciples. We're going to figure out who those disciples are in just a second. Number two, it says, saying unto them, go into the village. A village is what? Several houses. That's what a village means. So it's referring to what? Houses of the Zodiac against you. Go over into the village against you and straightway you shall find an ass tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. Okay, let's pick this apart. So we've got several houses. What is Cancer? The constellation Cancer is what? It's the city of the moon. That's the ruling house of Cancer is what? The moon. Okay. This is what Jericho means, city of the moon, it's ruling planet. The cancer is the ruling planet of the moon. So it's saying, hey, this Bethphage place is right by what? The moon, Jericho. Right next to, Jer right next to Jericho, the city of the moon is what? Leo, the constellation Leo. Well, guess when, guess when figs ripen? They ripen in August and September. Outdoor figs will, will ripen in August and September. This is the house of unripe figs. So this is before they ripened. What is the constellation? What is the house that's right before Virgo and Libra, which is August and September? Look at it right on the screen right there. Virgo and Leo, what's the house right before it? It's Leo. It's the house of unripe figs, which is right next to the city of the moon, which is exactly, exactly where the Bible is telling you where they are. Now it even says, does everybody get that? Leo, house of unripe fig, cancer, the house of the moon. This is exactly where the Bible says we are. 
Then it even says, now go into the village over against you. A village is what? It's multiple houses. And they're saying, where are you? Okay, well, you're in Cancer and Leo. What are the houses over against them? It's Aquarius and Capricorn. Those are the village over against. Okay? Everybody see that? Well, what's over against the, in Cancer and Leo? It's Aquarius and Capricorn. And do you know what you'll find in Aquarius and Capricorn? An ass and a cult. Exactly what you should expect to find. So all you Christians out there that have been reading your Bible for years and been following the Lord and studying it and going to church and praying and things like that, which minister has ever been able to tell you why Jesus is arriving on an ass? None of them. Not one. None of them. You won't find one. Why? Because they're not actually following Christ, as we'll come to find today. So what's over across? You can even see there's Capricorn and Aquarius. What do you find? You have Aquarius, which is an ass. It literally means horse or an ass. I'll show you that in just a second. And Pegasus, which is what? A colt. A colt and an ass. That's what Jesus, and it's telling you exactly where they are. Why is this important? We won't cover this today, but you can see why this is important if you've been following along in the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. What do you have? You have a squared circle right there. That's the squared circle. It's right by the ecliptic and the equator, the place, the place where those two things meet. So a lot of things going on just, you know, celestially there. Very, very important. Okay, so this is your colt and your ass, and it's Pegasus and Aquellus. Aquellus, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. but, And this is literally your colt and your ass in which Jesus rode on to bring what? The message of salvation. The message of what? Well, we're going to get into today who he railed against. We're going to get very specific because Jesus is going to get specific. So there's your colt and your ass. Okay, and this is, of course, the Pegasus. We see this, and once again, this is why we honor all of those cultures around the world. Because why? We see that they have the same story. Odin in the left, bottom left-hand corner there. Deny it, ignore it, whatever you want to say. That's Odin riding a Pegasus. What's right above Odin right there in the top left corner? That's Mohammed, and you know what he's doing? He's riding a colt. He's riding a Pegasus. What's the one on the top right there? That's Jesus. He's riding a, a colt, a pegasus, an ass. And then they even tell you exactly where those constellations are. So this is Aquellius. And that's and this is Pegasus. So that's where, that's where we are in the, the sky. Okay, now ready for this one? Check this out. Equus is a genus of mammals in the family Equidae, which means horses, asses, and zebra. So when we say that, hey, this is literally the constellation of an ass, it is, like to, according to the genus of species, right? Um... Horses and ass. This is the gematria. I guess I did two things to gematria today. This is the gematria of Equus. E-Q-U-U-S. Everybody read that. E-Q-U-U-S. 54666. There's Jesus below. What's the gematria of that? 45666. Everybody see that? This is literally the genus of the species of the constellation that Jesus wrote in on to overthrow uh, the Judaic rule. Let's just say that. How many Christian ministries, how many churches are out there today that are everybody got dressed up and all dolled up to go into church to hear about their Savior? And little do they know, they can go out every single night and look up and find exactly the horse that he rode in on. But they'll be ignored in this church, won't they? Yes, they will. 
So let's re let's read the rest of this and then we'll keep, we'll keep going. Like I said, this is going to be a long one today. So basically what's happening here? Oh, straightway they bring the colt and the ass. And if any, may, if any man say aught unto you, you shall say the Lord hath need of them. And straightway he will send, he will go get the, the donkey. And this was all done because it had to be done because Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy, which is exactly why there's a New Testament and an Old Testament. And we'll get into that today. Sitting upon an ass. Okay, so there he is. So there's, this is all constant. And it's about time people start waking up to it. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, 21.6, and brought the ass and the colt and put, uh, put on them their clothes and they set him thereon. Basically, you know, put him on the horse like, oh, it's like, this is Jesus, man. He's going to, you know, here he is. And then it says this, 21.8. Let's, let's pick this apart. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. 21.9 says, In the multitudes that went before, and they that followed, cried, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Okay, what is, what's being say, said here? Okay, we know that... When we, we, you know, Jesus is what? For John 14, 6, we all know it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, right? This is one of the great, I mean, John 14 is a banger, by the way. We'll have to do, uh, anyway, this is such a great chapter. But it says, I am, Jesus says, I am the way. What is the way? That's the Tao. And we'll cover that in just a second. The truth, what is the truth? That's the un, unbridled, doesn't care what your opinion is or what you believe. It's just the truth of all things, whether you accept it or not. That's what Christ represents. That's what Christ is. And the life, eternal life. That's what it means, okay? So basically, Jesus is arriving on this colt and this ass, and all these multitudes are coming along and making sure that the, the path is set down in the way. They came in the way, as it says several times. What is the way? It's the, it's the way in which a, a true mystic lives. It's a way which allows you to be completely fluid with, the, with the, the alignment of God, if you will, and what allows all the magic and miracles to come into your life. This is where you, when you get into that, the, the, the fluid way of nature, the metaphysical nature, if you will, that's when the insights come. That's when the epiphanies come. That's when you get the synchronicities. That's when you get the aha moments. That's when you get the creative flashes. That's when you get the divine inspiration. That's when you get the revelations. And then I said for years, I've literally been telling people this direct thing for years. I've been like, this does not come from me. I'm not that smart. Marty Leeds did not do this. How? How is it done? It's you align with God's way. And that's when the miracles come. And this is what they're saying. This is what they're saying. He's saying, ah, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and straw them in the way. Because why? Because Jesus was going to come and they're going to be like, ah, oh, joyous, Christ is here. Ha, ah, Hosanna in the highest. The way is the Tao. And this is, this is what when we, uh, when we did the, um, the sword and the stone, this is exactly when Archimedes was trying to teach the little runt how to fly. When he became a bird, he came and goodbye. Right? He said, now boy, listen, this is what he says. He's explaining the bird, Archimedes, who discovered pie, allegedly, according to history, is telling the bird, he's explaining to the bird how the way is. He says this, now boy, flying is not merely some crude mechanical process. It's a delicate art. It's purely aesthetic, poetry of motion. And that's what you are supposed to be, poetry of motion. That's what the way is. And the best way to learn to do it is to do it. Just throw yourself into it. And that's exactly what Wart does. The runt does. Okay. So this is the way. The way is, that is, um, 
it is what is the way it can be i always say this but it's basically the most succinct way to explain it it can be described as the idea of the primordial natural law in which all of the universe universe has been given its shape and mechanics the universe has been given its shape and mechanics and what does like modern science teach us and things like that and that's all a hellish place and it's all just a dog eat dog and it's all you know viruses and all this other shit it's like a, it's like a mad deranged dangerous sort of world the way tells us something completely different the way tells us that this thing that God created is poetry in motion. And when Jesus arrives, that's one of the things that he's going to be, the, the messages that he's going to be given to the disciples. Now let's pick this apart. What else is this? This is Trinitarian. This is why this is why it gets so frustrating when I see people that are like, oh, the Trinity's not in the Bible. You can't read the Bible. You don't know what you're reading. This is the Trinity to a T. Let's read it again. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way because what's in the way? Lord Jesus Christ. Others cut down branches from the trees and straw them in the way. What is the way? That's the, the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the multitudes that went before and followed. Went before and followed. What is this? What is this? This is Trinitarian. This is, there it is, all these illustrations of the great triangle, which we'll get to because, of course, Jesus and the Bible is going to be giving us this math. There it is, the past, the present, and the future. That's what it means. That's what the Trinity is. The past is what? The Holy Ghost. The future is what? The Father. And what's in the present all the time? What's in the way, in the center all the time? Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read this again. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strut them in the way. And the multitude that went before, that's the future. And they that followed, that's the past. Cried what? And they cried this thing out and they were crying for Jesus Christ who is what? Always in the present. And of course, the past and the, and the future come together in one, in the eternal moment of the now. And what do we say in the eternal moment of the now? We rejoice. We live in joy. That's what the Bible is telling us to do. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. What does Hosanna mean? It means to express adoration, praise, and joy. So what are we supposed to do in the eternal moment of the now? live in the past, worry about the future? No. The Bible's saying that there's a great, they're going to be announcing it. They're going to be like, oh, Lord, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he. They're singing praises in the eternal moment of the now. And what is this? What is this? And this is the thing that Jesus, I mean, we, you know, this is repeated all over the Bible. We'll, we'll, we'll see it again in this chapter. But it says, this comes from, um, was shared by Mr. Mr. Arcade over there. Do not look forward to what may happen tomorrow. The same everlasting... This is true, guys. True. This is not some... Oh, some good philosophy by some St. Francis dude. No. Nope. Do not look forward to what may happen tomorrow. The same everlasting Father who cares for you today will take care of you tomorrow and every day. Either he will shield you from suffering or he will give you unfailing strength to bear it. Amen. And you know that when you have the praise and the joy and the adoration for the present moment that Christ lives in. So we just got saying, we just got done saying, sorry, truck driving by. So we just got done saying that it's like, hey, all of this has to do with the Trinity. 
that's Marty's that's Marty's take on it, right? That's my that's my opinion. Well, we're going to show you that that's not an opinion, and the Bible is going to reiterate that that's the Trinity literally in the next line, guys. Literally in the next line. So we said, hey, this is they came before and they came after, and they were in the way, and that's because they were trying to tell you that Christ is in the present always, because Christ is always in the present, and we're going to sing the praises of the present. And then they're going to say, and the multitude said this. This is when they were singing Hosanna. They were singing the praises of the present that is Christ. This is Jesus. This is Jesus the prophet prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. This is what the multitude said. This is the gematria of that phrase. Ready? Pay attention. This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. What is the gematria total? Sorry for the cars. We live outside. <laughs> This is Jesus the, the Jesus this is excuse me this is Jesus the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee what does that come out to your total ladies and germs viral is Jesus isn't real 181 <laughs> 181 it's what I, it's the very number that I named this church after it's the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ and yes I did plan that <laughs> this is this is Jesus the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee what is 100, 181 181 is the 42nd prime it's the 42nd prime when we use the rule of Kolel, as we know, if you've been paying attention, what is the rule of Kolel? It means it's a Kabbalistic rule that states that one digit can be added to or subtracted from the gematria total without affecting its value. So in other words, if we subtracted one from the gematria total of this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee, do you know what we'd have? The 180 degrees of the Trinity, which is literally what they just told you about. So they're going to tell you, they're going to explain it to you. They're going to give you all the all the distinct qualities of the of the Trinity and then in case you didn't get it from there, they're going to make sure you get it by giving you the math. The 42nd prime. How many generations from uh, Abraham to David, David to Babylon, to Babylon to Christ, guys? How many? 42, you know. You've read that Holy Bible. So this is this rule of Kolel, this is telling you about what? The Holy Trinity. Matthew 21, 12. <laughs> then Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out... Oh, oh this, is so, this is tasty. This is a morsel we're going to chew on for the rest of the week here, ladies and germs, okay? This is one that we're just going to chew on. So, um, let's see. Make sure I'm doing well here. Sorry, give me a second. 79 watching, huh? 79 watching. Hey, that's the... Tw 20, 79 watching is the 22nd prime. And so if it's 79 is the 20 second, there's 79 watching right now, it's 79 is the 20 second prime. So if you reduce or 79 down, seven plus nine is 16, and one plus six is seven, you actually are given two numbers, 22 and seven, and 22 divided by seven is 3.142. Okay, so this is uh, 2112. And Jesus went to the temple of God and cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a ven of diapers. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did that just to make my wife laugh. <laughs> but ye made it also a den of thieves. Bunch of thieves that we're dealing with. Okay, 
So let's talk about this. Let's talk about cleansing the temple because that's what Jesus went in. He saw the money changers that were in the temple in the house of God that should be just for prayer. And they were selling dubs. They used to sell in peace. They weren't really selling peace though, were they? Okay, so the cleansing of the temple is a narrative tells of Jesus expelling the merchants. The merchants are Jews. And the money changes from the temple and is recounted in all four canonical gospels. This was so important, they concluded in all four books. And this scene is a common motif in Christian art. In this account, Jesus and his disciples travel to Jerusalem for Passover, where Jesus expels the merchants and calls them a den of thieves. Okay, so we have to figure out what is the temple that we're speaking about here. First and foremost, as we know, this is a um, constellational, and that constellation, when we recognize that uh, we are made in the image of God, we are made in an image of the totality of the whole thing, that those that star study comes right into us. So we are the temple. We are the temple of the living God. Okay, so this is what it means when we have to cleanse that temple. And where is the temple? The temple is where you worship God. And where, where is that? Where do you do your repentance? In, your, in the Golgotha, in the skull. That's where, it, that's where it is. The temple where you worship God is the human temple. It's not the, as I like to say, ripped it off from Tom Waits. I'm not original. It's not the church down at, at Fifth and Vermouth. Yes, you can go there and you can have a wonderful experience and you can get with your community and you can do all that sort of stuff. But the actual spiritual work is done within you. It doesn't matter what building you walk into. So when he says, Jesus is going to go within you and cleanse that temple, what is it? As, as Bill Donahue likes to say, God dwells in a temple not made by the hands of man and the only temple not made by the hands of man are the ones on the side of your foreheads. This is Acts 7.48. How be it the Most High, who's the Most High? That's God Almighty, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. You can build the most amazing, immaculate, you know, brick church with the, you know, the steeple and all, the, all that sort of stuff, right? The stained glass windows and the wooden doors and all that stuff. Not like the wooden doors that they had in the Holocaust, not those. Like nice wooden doors. You can build all that and guess what? It's still a damn church. It's all it is. And I'm not saying you shouldn't build a church. We'd love to build a church. But ultimately, we know that everybody that goes into that church is ultimately going to be worshiping in the temple. And where is that? You weren't made with hands. God made you. For we, this is 2 Corinthians 5.1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. Because we have the metaphysical body and house not made with hands. So when Jesus talks about, so once again, everybody, most Christians see this whole scene as Jesus walking into an actual temple and throwing, well, okay, that's the, that's the story, that's the literal story, but what does it all mean? It means cleansing the temple, okay? Now, this is actually how it's given in, um, uh, what is this? I think this is Luke, I want to say, but this is what it says in Luke. Listen, and when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen. What's the sheep? It's Aries. What's the oxen? It's Taurus. It's your neck. Where's the temples? Literally where the temples are on the side of your head. So gee, this is in, this is in I, th I think this is in Luke, I want to say. This is Luke, and, he's, and, and they're giving you specifically what constellations, where in the body, where Jesus is. They're not mincing words here. And what's happening? You're throwing all those evil, wicked thoughts out of your damn head saying you don't need him anymore. That's what Christ does. He's the cleanser. He's the healer. He's the physician. What's the first thing you need to fix? Your spirit. So what is this? One of the things that this is telling you about is, first off, when you drive the money changers out of your temple, what is it? Well, we just covered it. It's worrying about money. 
constantly worrying about having enough or not having enough or this or that or blah, 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 blah. Doesn't mean you can go ahead and just be irresponsible with your life. No, God requires us to be the most responsible, upright, righteous, virtuous people we can possibly be. But it means if you're worrying and you're sitting there, have a head full of, you know, uh, you know, like I said, worry about this, you got to cleanse that. Matthew 6, 25, we already read this. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you should eat or what you shall drink, not yet for your body. What you shall put on is the, not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Life is more than your meat suit. As, it, as we just said, as we just said here, there's a, there's a body that doesn't get dissolved because it's eternal. Okay? So, what does it mean to cleanse the temple? So, we understand it's like, hey, number one, it's about worrying about money. It's constantly worrying about this and that. What does it also mean to cleanse the temple of merchants? Well, who were those merchants? They were Jews. Period. And so what does it mean? It means quit filling your head and listening to Jewish propaganda and start listening to the ear in your heart, ear in the center of your heart. Remember that? Remember we talked about what's in the, what's in the middle of heart? H-E-A-R-T. The ear in your heart. Start listening to the logos within you that directs you to the way, the truth, and the life and stop filling your head with Jewish propaganda. Okay? So now we're going to... Um, so we're going to listen to, we're going to actually check out some illustrations of Jesus cleansing the temple, of going into the temple and, and casting out the Jews. And like, you know, he's got the whip and everything like that. This is a you know pretty brutal scene. And we're going to uh, check out all of these illustrations, but we're going to do it while listening to uh, Devo's Whip It. So now you know why I was listening to that the other day, Jennifer. It's like, why are you listening to that? That's not very good. That song's not very good. Okay. Anyway, don't you like this last one of Jesus? Doesn't he look like, that's like the 1980s Jesus. That's the Jesus that was like, loves Miami Vice and listens to John, Don Johnson on repeat. You know, like, <laughs> this is when Jesus had a cocaine problem. Doesn't he look like a Coke dealer there? Anyway, that's my favorite cleansing of the temple. So, so that's Jesus cleansing the temple of the Jewish merchants that were selling the dove. What is the dove, by the way? Actually, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that. We'll get into that in just a second. Let me, let me go on here. So who are we referring to? Who is, not we, we're just reading our Bible. <laughs> we're, just, we're just reading from the New Testament is all we're doing. Okay, so who are these people, these, these merchants that were in that temple? Who are they? Well, in Freemasonry, once again, this church is pro-Freemasonry, 100% pro-Freemasonry. And I might even be joining the lodge here in West Plains, but I actually just talked to the guys yesterday and they were raising money to, uh, for children to eat at school. And uh, if you thought these guys were part of the Illuminati, you're just dumb. So anyway, um, so, oh my God, flies. 
So these are the ruffians in Freemasonry. So Freemasonry, the main myth of Freemasonry calls out a group of people. Okay. And this is what I keep telling people, but apparently the truth community doesn't want to listen. Apparently they just want to close their ears and not hear. That's okay. We'll just keep talking. So here's the ruffians and these ruffians came and they tried to steal the master's word from the, the you know, main architect at Solomon's temple. And here's, there was three of them and they came and they killed the chief architect of Solomon's temple. And of course, Solomon's temple is a, is a, is a metaphor for you. It's, a, you know, it's an allegory for your temple. It's about building. It's about being an actual free man who is a mason, building the temple. So these ruffians came in and they killed the master mason. And so, and this is the main myth of masonry. And the masons are going to tell us exactly who these people are. And the New Testament is going to tell us exactly who Jesus is throwing out. And they're going to be very specific about it. And so at this church, what we like to do is we honor the mystery school tradition and we honor Christ in the New Testament. And that's what we will be doing today is honoring both of these traditions and then just following and listening to what they say and who they're calling out. And we'll, we'll do that while everybody doesn't listen. Anyway, so the legend tells us one day, this is the myth of the um, Freemasonry, main myth. The legend tells us one day whilst worshiping the grand architect of the universe, that's God Almighty, within the Holy of Holies, that's the human body, Hiram was attacked by three ruffians, and they're called ruffians, and their names are Jubela, Jubilo, and Jubilum, and they are collectively known as the Jews. The Jews. This is masonry. This is the main myth of masonry. Who is Jesus throwing out of the temple? They even tell you merchants, the Jews. So we honor the Freemasonic tradition and the New Testament simultaneously, and we call out exactly who those money changers are and exactly who is selling doves in the temple. And we exactly point out where that temple is. And so we say, hey, well, what is the difference between when we look at the Bible and it's like, okay, well, what is, we got these, the Masons tell us it's the Jews and the ruffians and then the Bible, we've got the chief priests, we've got the scribes and we've got the Pharisees and the Jews and all over the New Testament, they call them out. Jesus calls them out, not they, Jesus, our dude, our savior dude. Well, why is he calling all these people out? Why is he calling out the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees and the, who the Freemasons call the ruffians and the Jews? It's because they are all anti-Christ. So what, what's the difference between this guy over here and this group over here? Some people have asked that over the years. Well, for us as followers of the New Testament and the Lord and Savior, we don't give a shit. We don't care. We don't care what the difference is because there is no difference. There is no difference. You know what all of these people are? Anti-Christs. Antichrists. Every single one of them. And that's how we distinguish. So when you say, well, you're getting very racist here. This is what, of course, this is what's being paddled now, right? This is what you'll hear. Anytime somebody says, oh, I'm going to call out the Jews. Well, no, I'm just listening to my savior. I'm just, I'm just honoring the Freemasonic tradition. That's what I'm doing. And so are we being racist right now? No, Jews are not a race. The Jews will tell you that they're not a race. Well, depending on what Jews you ask, but... The short, this comes from, I think this is, I forget what it is, learningjudaism.com or something like that. Are Jews a race? No. The short answer is no. Jews are not a race. The people who identify as Jews include individuals of an enormously diverse geographic origins and physical appearances, making the idea that Jews could be easily designated as a race in the sense 
of shared physical or biological characteristics is implausible. A judge has even ruled that Judaism is a religion and not a race. Okay, but Jewish people can be targeted for racism. Wait, what? Okay, so how can we be racist towards a group who's not a race? We're not. Well, I don't care about race, as we've talked about before. So we're calling out Jews because Christ called them out. And that's what he's going to do the rest of this chapter. Christians, genuine, true Christians, which would I would like to put us in that category, <laughs> because we actually dedicate ourselves to God. We actually dedicate ourselves to learning the Bible. We actually walk the walk and talk the talk. The, those Christians, that's what I'm talking about. People that are not full of shit. Christians, those people cannot engage in hate speech. We can't. So this isn't quote-unquote hate speech here. No. Did Jesus hate? No. Not at all. But did he call out people that needed to be called out? Did he go into the temple and proverbially tip over those money changers and whip them? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And he listened to Devo's Whip It while he did it. And funny enough, that song is off Warner Brothers, which is a, a company owned by a bunch of Jews. So Christians cannot engage in hate speech. There is no hate here. But we will call out all day long people that are be selling doves in our temple. Do you know what's so funny is that the people that actually claim that they're not for hate, anti-hate, are actually the most hateful, supremacist, racist, wicked people out there. And this is exactly who Jesus is calling out. It was so important to call these people out, they codified it in holy writ. Put that in your mind for a bit. Let that roll around and simmer for a bit. It was so important to call out these money changers in the temple that they codified this into holy scripture. The people that do claim that they're not for hate almost always are the exact opposite because they're the hypocrites. Remember when Jesus called all those scribes and the Pharisees and woe unto you scribes and Pharisees and lawyers, you're all hypocrites. You're all gnashing of teeth. Remember when Jesus said all that stuff? This is exactly who he's talking about. Who runs antihate.canada? The Canada's anti-hate network that, as we know, is completely full of shit. Well, it's a man named Bernie Farber. And he just happens to be, well, let's not even call him a ruffian or a scribe or a Pharisee or a Jew. Or let's not call him any of that. Who gives a shit about any of that? Let's call him exactly what he is. He's antichrist. They're antichrists. And what do I mean by antichrist? Christ came for all, which means Christ came for humanity, which means they're anti-human. Just look at what they're doing. And, you, and there's people out there still blaming the Masons. This is why I get harsh on this. You don't know what you're talking about. Anti-Semitism and the New Testament. And of course, that's what they call this. When, when, when Jesus goes in and throws the Jews out, they'd be like, oh, this is anti-Semitic. No, you weren't following God's law. And Jesus, the Savior, actually has come, once again, fulfilling your prophecy, and you still didn't listen to him. We'll get into that. Anti-Semitism in the New Testament is the discussion of how Christian views of Judaism in the New Testament have contributed to discrimination against Jewish people throughout history and in the present day. Throughout history and in the present day. We'll get into that in just a second. So basically, these Jews have been saying, hey, the New Testament is anti-Semitic. That's what they're saying. 
we'll go on. Eckhart is a Jewish writer, insisted that Christian repentance must include a re-examination of basic theological attitudes towards Jews and the New Testament in order to deal effectively with anti-Semitism. In other words, this Eckhart guy has basically come, not even basically, specifically coming to you and saying, you have to ignore the words of your Savior and apologize to us. Well, I don't know what else to say here. I wish I had some better words to say this and like I should be more eloquent and less crass and crude, but go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Anti-Semitism, that's what they claim. That's what they say. Anti-Semitism has a meaning. We can look up things on, we have dictionaries and etymology and we're not dumb. They're anti-Semitic. No, we're not. Semitic means relating to or denoting a family of languages that includes Hebrew, Arabic, and Aramaic. Do you know what one of the next live streams we're going to do is? We're going to specifically look at the Hebrew alphabet, the Hebrew language, and specifically the names of God, seven of them, that the Jews give the God the names, and we're going to deconstruct them symbolically and mathematically. We honor the Semitic languages. We study the Semitic languages. We teach the Semitic languages. Even to the quote-unquote enemies, we study their language. Just because they're full of shit doesn't mean that their language is, you know, corrupt and everything like that. It's beautiful. Hebrew is a beautiful language. It's incredible. So anti-Semitism, no, we study it. We teach it. I write books on it. You can't throw that at me. You also can't throw... White supremacists at us. Jennifer used to date a black guy and a, and a guy from Hawaii. I, I used to date a woman from, from <laughs> she's Arabic. She spoke Farsi. She was a Muslim. Anti-Semitism, <clears throat> wrong. You're going to have to find it. You're going to have to find some other criticism or accusation for this church. White supremacy, <clears throat> wrong. Nazism, no, Nazism is political. We don't get political. That's dumb. We, we're about to do the seven Hebrew names of God in this channel, where we'll be focusing and honoring the Semitic languages. Anti-Semitism, the furthest thing from it. So anti-Semitism in the New Testament, it even says here that this discrimination against Jews, it's been throughout history and in the present day. It's been going on a long, long time. Why? Well, because once again, if you've been following along at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, you know why. Because the Bible is not a history book. The Bible's not a history book. I've been saying it. That's why all of these Christians have their, have their heads up their sphincters, if you will, because they keep going back to it being like 2,000 years ago. This, this, this. No, no, no. And it's what I keep repeating and I keep saying it and I'm going to say it till I'm dead. There's no dates in the Bible. Why? Because the stories in the Holy Bible are timeless. They were as much for the people allegedly 2,000 years ago as they are today. And this is why Holy Scripture is Holy Scripture. This is why the Holy Bible is Holy Writ. Because it's as pertinent now as it was then. So what do we have going on with this problem here? Why, why does the Jews need a Savior to come in? And then the Savior comes, follows the prophecy, and calls them out all day long. And this is a timeless story. This has been going on for thousands of years as far as we know. Well, I'll tell you what the issue is. And it's the issue that we try to clear up here at the Gnostic Church. Okay? So, what's the, so here we have the Old Testament. What do we have? The Old Testament and New Testament. Why is there an Old Testament and New Testament? Why? Most Christians wouldn't be able to tell you the first freaking thing. 
Well, the Old Testament says that the Jews are waiting around for the Messiah and they're still waiting around for their Messiah today. Correct? That's what it says all throughout the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament say continually if you read it? How the people were not following God. Like every freaking story is about that. So the Jews are waiting around for their Messiah. The Messiah arrives, which is Lord Jesus Christ. And what happens? The Jews reject him. This is why Jesus is so pissed off. He goes in the temple and he's like, oh, instead of actually allowing that dove to enter into your temple and cleanse the whole thing and be purified with God, what are you doing? You're selling it in the temple. And then you're being racist and supremacist about it. So the Jews wait for the Messiah. The Messiah arrives. The Jews reject him. And then what happens? Judaism becomes Satanism. Judaism is Satanism. Judaism becomes Antichrist. They reject him and they reject him today. And we say, well, this is a timeless tale. That's what's going on. Okay, so now, as you know, we like to be very, uh, we're very critical, as you guys know. And so we like to be even-handed with our criticism. So this is the problem of the Jews in the Old Testament. But let's look at the problem with the Christians today in the New Testament. So the Christians, what are they doing? They're waiting around for the second coming. <laughs> They're waiting around for the Messiah to arrive. The problem is, is you already have a book telling you that the Messiah already, already arrived. He was already here. Now what? They're literalizing it and waiting for his physical return. It's not a physical return of Christ. It is a metaphysical return of Christ. And Christ arrives again within you. And that's what this whole parable is about. Where's the temple? Where's the cleansing of the temple? And what happened to Christianity today? Well, Christianity has lost this gnosis, has lost this knowledge, has lost this wisdom, has lost the ability to re even read their holy book. And they're waiting around. <coughs> Excuse me. Swallowed a fly. <coughs> Swallowed a fly. <laughs> they're waiting around. <coughs> Excuse me. For their savior. I got it. <coughs> Excuse me. When he arrives within you, and because they don't understand this, what has happened to Christianity? It's tattered and torn and in pieces. And we have all these denominations. And we, it's, it's in shambles. It's a wreck. And honestly, for a lot of people, it becomes a damn joke. It becomes a damn punchline. And this here, and this here, is why we have some serious issues in the world. It's the age-old story of good versus evil. These ruffians, these scribes, these Pharisees, these Jews that are in the temple that are making sure that we don't have peace on earth because that's what it means to sell doves. We'll get to that. They actually think by their own religion, according to their religious books, that they are better than you. This is not hate. This is just explaining theology. <laughs> They'll tell you this. They'll straight up tell you. Somebody's going to come to this channel and throw Nazism, white supremacy, blah, 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 this, this, this at this channel. It's like, no, we're just reading what they're saying and then following our Savior. The Jewish people have expressed the idea that they've been the chosen by God as a special people. 
the term implies that the Jewish people have been chosen by God to worship only him to fulfill the mission of proclaiming his truth among all the nations of the world. The Jews are going around claiming that the Messiah hasn't showed up. And not only that, they're claiming that they're better than you. And not only that, they're trying to fulfill the mission of truth, except they don't have Christ. So what are they actually bringing to the quote-unquote nations of the world? Hell on earth. And this is why Jesus went into the temple and cleansed it. We embrace as Gnostics, as you guys know, all the great traditions. We study them. We go to the Ajibwe story of creation and we, we diligently study what they have to say and honor those traditions. We go to the Cherokee and what do we do? We diligently study and we look at the symbolism and the, and the names of the people and the constellations and uh, all, the, all that sort of stuff. We look at it and we study it and we honor it. We'll go to the Norse and we'll do the same. As I said, we'll go to Hebrew and we'll do that in the next you know, week or two and we'll actually go and honor that tradition by studying its the, the names of the God and the language and everything like that. So we embrace all the great traditions in Gnosticism. And this, this flies in the face of a lot of what Christians think and believe. And we don't care. We don't care. This is why we can study the Hamsa. This is why we can study the Menorah. This is why we can study the Mayans. We embrace all the great traditions. The problem is, is there's one group of people that does not embrace any of these traditions. And that is the difference. What is, this, what is the dove? <clears throat> it is the symbol of enlightenment. It's, this, it's, the, it's the, and it's constellational and all that other stuff. We're not going to get into that today. But it is the symbol of enlightenment. That's the, that's the, that's the bird, the heavenly object, celestial bird that comes down. He goes, bye, comes down and gives you the gift of Kabbalah, gives you the gift of receiving the knowledge, the wisdom, the light, right from God Almighty himself. Do you think you can sell that? Do you think that if you guys give me, and this is what the churches used to do, everybody needs to give me $1,000 today and then I will give you a dove and you'll get into heaven. Do you really think it works that way? You can give me all the money in the world that's not going to secure your place in heaven for shit. So you can't really sell doves. So what were those Jewish merchants in the temple doing? <laughs> they were selling you a, a bridge to Hawaii. That's what they were doing. They were selling you a bunch of crap. So when we talk about this Holy Bible being timeless, we've been talking about it. I write about it in the books. We've been talking about it for what? It's going on two years this, you know, it's October. We started this about, what, a year and a half last whatever, the previous Christmas. So we've been talking about this, repeating it, doing live stream after live stream, explaining it to you, just saying, guess what, guys? These stories are not stuck 2,000 years ago. They're happening today. The only way that you can even understand what the Bible means is you understand it's happening today. The only way that you can understand today is if you understand that the Bible is a timeless document. Now, when we understand these are timeless, that means that there's some, well, let's just say this, there's some Jews that need to be thrown out of the temple today. And we're going to name those Jews. Actually, we're not going to do it. They'll do it. Is Hollywood run by Jews? You bet. They'll post it in their own media. They'll make headlines about it. All of those movies, all the TV that you're watching, Netflix and chilling. Guess what it all is? It's ruffian propaganda. It's chief scribes propaganda. It's Pharisee propaganda. It's Jewish propaganda. A couple weeks ago, I just said, you're going to need to start propagandizing about Christ, didn't I? I said that. Why do you think I said that? 
But once again, this has been going on a long time. This is, I don't know how old this is. I think it's in the 20s or something like that. It says, this is Christian saying, boycott the movies. Hollywood is the Sodom and Gomorrah. It's all about sexual perversion and, you know, whatever, violence. And you know what goes on in the movies, right? It's all garbage. They were saying it back then. Buy Gentile. Employ Gentile. Vote Gentile. Propagandize Christ. Is this racism? No, it's theolo It's theological. In fact, it's so theological, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament written just to make sure that we'd understand this. This ver The Hollywood, this is the media. Once again, are you watching TV? Then you're misinformed. Have you listened to anything that that television tells you about anybody? You're being misinformed. So when we talk about... Once again, honoring our traditions. The New Testament, the, this group of people would be called the scribes, the Pharisees, the Jews, right? Once again, just reading our holy book. And in the Freemasonic lore, these would be called ruffians and <clears throat> Jews. So let's go here. Columbia Pictures, Harry Kahn, Jewish. Michael Barker, uh, Sony Pictures, classic. He's a ruffian. Ralph Kahn, Sony Pictures. He's a ruffian. Ron Perry owns Columbia. He's a ruffian. TriStar Pictures, Kaufman, ruffian. Harvey Levin, TMZ, Ruffian, Fox Sports, Vice, Steven Spielberg. How about all of these people that pushed the vax, that pushed the COVID agenda? Once again, is this race? Is this Nazism, Marty? Are you a white supremacist? No, I'm a follower of Christ. Shut up. All of these people. Every single last one of them that pushed that back. So people that you know that died. I had a guy I grew up with. Just died. 49 years old. Died suddenly. They're telling you that these people, if you don't agree with them, it's medical misinformation. Every single last one of these. What are they? They're ruffians. They're antichrists. Nothing will change. Nothing. Unless you call these people out and come to the light of truth. The cycle of all of this ruffianish <laughs> ends now. This is from Alex Zach. Pharma funds the media. The media funds your fears. Your fears fund your disease, and your disease funds pharma. Let's say it again. Pharma funds the media. The media funds your fears. Your fears fund your disease, and your disease funds pharma. Let's actually just restate this. Well, let's do one better than Alex Zach did, okay? Let's just say this. The ruffians are the media. The ruffians fund your fears your fears fund your disease and your disease your disease funds the ruffians why are we not political well it's so good that joe biden got in and not donald trump because donald trump is so bad off oh, donald trump would have got in then things would be better in this country we wouldn't have to deal with joe biden everybody that's behind these two jokers are antichrists They'll tell you that. It's part of their theology and religion. Has nothing to do with race. Has nothing to do with politics. Has nothing to do with white this. Has nothing to do with Nazism. It's all dumb. All of these people are racist and supremacist and hate you. They don't care about you. Pornography. 
Once again, we got to cleanse the temple. How are we going to cleanse that temple? How are we going to follow the way, the truth, and the life, and, and, and the words of Christ unless we actually go and cleanse the temple? Well, we got to find what's making us sick. Once again, when we follow the New Testament or Freemasonic lore, it's going to be calling out the Jews. This is all pornography and hookup culture. Every last one of them, none of them are, are pro-Christ. Not one of these people are like, uh, Christ is my dude. Greg Lansky, Vixen Media, it's a bunch of porn. Tinder, Sean Rad, bunch of porn. Ron Jeremy, porn star, bunch of porn, you know, that guy. <clears throat> David Friedman, trash film king. Do you think he worships at the altar of our Lord and Savior? Pornhub, Red Tube, Grinder, The Penthouse Club, OkCupid, Match.com. Every last one of them are Antichrist, and they tell you. Mass immigration. Quote, unquote, going into all the white countries. I say, no, 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 that's not what it's about. People are... It, immigration, it's all about race. It's about... No, it's not. It's about destroying cultures who actually are holding on to Christian values. That's actually what it's about. Scribes, Pharisees, and Jews, New Testament, ruffians, Jews, Freemasonic lore, every single last one of these organizations are, quote, unquote, Antichrist. Look it up. Jesus called them out. Are you going to call them out? Are you going to follow your Savior? Or are you going to be like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I'm socially, I'm going to get outcast. You mean like Christ? <laughs> Federal Reserve. Still, once again, we want to take time to make sure we name and call out every last one of these ruffians. Because that's what our, our Savior would do, correct? Scribes, Pharisees, and Jews, New Testament, ruffians, Jews, Freemasonic lore. This is all the people that run the monetary system in the United States. And everybody's like, hey, we're headed towards a crash here. We're, it's, yeah, there's going to be a financial crash. Everybody's saying it. Huh. Well, I wonder if these people are doing that and there's some sort of controlled demolition going on. You know? You mean like 9-11? Uh, like you mean like the people that did 9-11? The dancing Israelis? Once again, we have the names, phone numbers, and addresses of the people that do this. And we still have people in the truth community being like, it's the Masons. The Masons were trying to tell you who's actually behind this shit. You weren't listening. Marty was listening. Disney. Every single one of these people. Anti-Christs. Bob Iger. CEO, Brent Woodford, ex Executive VP, Jay Rusulo. It's all the rich people. It's those rich men from Richmond. No, no. Who are the rich men? G Oliver Anthony. Come on now. Come on. I can do it. You can do it. I saw you reading that Bible. Actually understand it. And actually tell us who the rich men of Richmond are. Bunch of ruffians and scribes. Abortion. Population control. Melvin Weisberg, look at the guy in the lower right. I remember when this. Ha I remember hearing about this. Not necessarily when it happened. When I heard, I heard about it though. This guy operated an abortion clinic where sixteen thousand four hundred and thirty-three aborted fetuses were found. Then people are like, "Why was Jesus so pissed when he went into the temple and tipped over the?" Te I wonder why. I wonder why Jesus had that righteous indignation, not anger. Jesus doesn't do anything out of hate or anger. He does things out of righteous indignation because he's the truth. Malvin Weisberg 
16.5 thousand aborted fetuses. Antichrist. George Goodwin Pincus, Antichrist. Alan Frank Guttmacher, Antichrist. What's going on in this world? What's, what's the problem with this country? It's the Republicans. No, it's the Democrats. And this is why we say, you go down the rabbi hole. That's why it's what it's called. You go down the, they say it's a rabbit hole, but it's not. It's a rabbi hole. And this is why the meme is going around saying every Stein, Singleberg, Timowitz. <laughs> because every time you get down to the issues and problems of our world and the and the, the source of these things, where these things come from, well, once again, are we saying this because of politics or racism or blah, blah, blah? No, no. We're saying it because we're reading the New Testament. Why don't you read it with us? Come down to the Gnostic Church and Academy and uh, read it with us. So we just ask, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in the situation when we, when, if Jesus were here right now, he is, he's with us right now, he always is. If he saw this, if he saw all these, all this, and then he saw this, and then, you know, he saw this, and then he took a look at this, and then he was like here, and then he went to here, and then uh, he started watching what was going on at Disney, and then all the all the babies that are being aborted, and then what would Jesus do? Well, I think you know what would Jesus do about all this? He would probably uh, he would probably crack that whip, is what he would do. He would crack that whip, and um, <laughs> he would crack that whip at people with funny hats. Is really what he would do. So. Um, what he would do is that he would recognize that there's um, there's viruses, if you will, that need to be isolated and purified, and um, they need to yeah we need to isolate and purify these viruses and and then he would probably Jesus would be given humanity the booster shot it needs. That's that's my joke for today. Okay, so so do we get who's cleansing the temple here? What the temple is? Who we need to overthrow? Because that's what it says: overthrew the tables of the money changers. Who's in control of our finances? And said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves, a vent of diapers. <laughs> so, and the blind and the lame came to this. Is, let's move on. 21.14, and the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. What is this? This is spiritual metaphors for rebirth. So he basically is saying, okay, everything that just happened, I came in here. We set the way before and after, which means I'm telling you about the Trinity. Then everybody's like, oh, Hosanna the highest, David, oh, rejoice in the present of the now. And then we're, and then they even, so it gives you all Trinitarian stuff. Then they give you the math for the Trinity. Then Jesus goes into the temple and what does he do? He throws out and cleans, purifies that temple by throwing out all the Jewish propaganda that we are inundated with in this world. And then what happens? The next line is like, hey, man, then these people came over. They were lame and they were blind. And then he healed them. And what is this? It's metaphors for spiritual rebirth. That's exactly what it is. Blind, they had sight. Lame, they walked. Lepers, they were cleansed. Deaf, they heard. Dead, they were raised up. Poor, they heard the gospel. <clears throat> And when the chief priests and scribes, all of those ruffians saw what this guy was capable of doing, Lord Jesus Christ was capable of doing, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna, oh joy, oh rejoice for that presence of Christ. They were sore displeased. 
they were displeased. Why? Because they thought they were waiting around for their Savior, their Messiah, and they thought he was coming for them. And when he showed up, what'd he do? He said, you guys fucked the whole thing up. And they didn't like that. And they were sore displeased. All right. We're going to take a little break. We're going to pass the basket around. If you like the work that we do, the fine work that we do at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, this is what we do every Sunday. Uh, we just go through the Bible and we read it and we honor it and we look at all of these wonderful traditions across the world and we honor them and we do, we do everything in our power to make no div divisions. We do everything in our power to basically destroy denominationalism and re-energize re Christ's one church and we, do every, and we do that with love in our heart. We do not do it with hate. That's what we do every Sunday. And if you'd like to support the fine work that we do, you can uh, send... Um, send a check or anything like that or just a letter or anything uh, to Kevin McNally, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And of course we have um, Venmo, Buy Me a Coffee, Cash App, and Subscribestar. Thank you so much to the people that do support the work we do here. Like I said, I say this every week, we love doing what we do. Um, we love uh, inspiring people and lifting the hearts and clarifying things for people and, and, and just living life as we should, as, our, as God wishes us to live. And that's with peace and love and union and calling out the devil. It's as simple as that. Okay? Okay. Let's keep going. Matthew 21, 16. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yeah, uh, have you never read? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. What is he saying here? You've perf you are continuing on with your tradition. He's speaking to the Jews here. Judaism. Continuing on with your tradition and all you're doing is perfecting the praise that's come from the mouths of babes and sucklings. It's childish. It's childish shit. 
is what it is. It's 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 you know it's basically it's just a it's just a little kid shitting himself is what it is. Can I can I be more clear? And that's what he said. I mean, this these are like unbelievably harsh words, guys. You know, I mean, he's doing it with class. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's it's our Lord and Savior. He's gonna he's gonna be eloquent. And he's gonna do it with some you know some poetry and motion, if you will. Unlike your uh, minister here, who's you know anyway. But uh, so this is unbelievably harsh. Babes and sucklings. That's what you've been. That's what you've been worshiping, if you will. And he left them. He got out of there. And went out of the city into Bethany and he lodged there. I'm not, because there's a lot to go through. I'm not going to go through the Bethany thing. I did, um, I did a whole video called, oh, what's it called? The real meaning of Lazarus or something like that, where we, where you go into there. But basically what does any, what does any mean? It means any, that's exactly what it means. What does Beth means? It means house. So in other words, he went out of the city and went into any house. Okay. 20, uh, 21, 18. And now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. 21, 19. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only and said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently, the fig tree withered away. Just like that. Poof. Just soon as Jesus spoke, the word spoke, if you will, this fig tree just went and withered away. What is this? What does this mean? And when the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away? They were like, oh my God, he just said it and boom, this fig tree withers away. Now, what did Jesus just get done doing? <laughs> Shows up. Everybody's like, yes, Hosanna, the highest is here. He goes in and he cleanses the temple and he throws out those Jews. That's what he does. Then right at right after that he talks about how ah oh, you're praising and what you're doing it's just childish it's from the suckling and babes that's what it is little baby baby spirituality is what it is and then he comes and sees a fig tree and is like poof casts a spell on it and it withers away and everybody's like wow that's amazing what is the fig tree symbolic of Israel. Old Testament will tell you that. New Testament will tell you that. Religious scholars will tell you that. Go to, you know, and you'll find this. A number of examples indicate that the Lord uses a fig tree to represent Israel. Fig leaf aprons are the foolishness of human works. Fig tree is symbolic of safety and independence. You know, Nathaniel was without hypocrisy under his fig tree. The future church is the latter. The center, you know, basically all these things. All these things. Example after example of how Israel is representative of the fig tree. Why does Jesus curse the fig tree? Well, because Israel had produced no fruit during his ministry. And now, what does he say? Fig trees, and it even goes on to say, fig trees often represent the Lord's blessing and the nation of Israel. As a part of the Israelite staple diet, the Jews would immediately recognize a fig being used in the subject of the parable of Jesus. So what happens? Jesus shows up and be like, this shit's cursed. That's what he says. He comes in and he's like, oh, I found nothing thereon. This thing is not producing any more spiritual fruits. Then he curses it and says this. Actually, he's just basically saying what's going on with their own religion. But he says, no, let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. He cursed the Jews forever. Get it? That's exactly what's happening here. 
He's saying these group of people that we just went over that are helping destroy everything while everybody's like, it's the rich people. No, it's the, it's the Democrats. It's the Republicans. No, it's those, you know, this people, it's, the, it's this over here. If it wasn't for greed, if it wasn't for this. No, they're cursed forever now. They curse themselves. Why? Because they're not followers of Christ. No fruit will grow on this forever. Let's talk about what we talked about last week. And let's, and, and let's when we read from Manly Palmer Hall, that 33rd degree Mason, <laughs> and what he said about light and truth. This is what we read last week. This is the chapter this week. Now let's see if Manly Palmer Hall's words ring true for you guys. And then let's actually embrace the power of what he's saying. Here we go. Let's read it again. And when he saw a fig tree in the way and came to it, found nothing, there's no fruit in this freaking thing. He said, let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. This thing is cursed forever. And as soon as he said that, as soon as Jesus opened his mouth, the fig tree withered away. How, and everybody's like, oh my Lord, look at this. How soon is the fig tree withered away? What did Manly Palmer Hall say? There is no true struggle or warfare between light and darkness. When light comes, darkness fades away, full stop, amen. What, it, what happened in scripture? Read it. The light came and what happened? That cursed fig tree just went... There wasn't a struggle. It wasn't like the fig tree put up dukes. It wasn't like the fig tree started, you know... <laughs> training under Mike Tyson so he could beat the shit out of Christ? No. The fig tree just went... What does Manly Palmer Hall say? The exact same thing, because that's how it works. There is no true struggle or warfare between light and darkness. When light comes, darkness fades away. When you guys become, as it says here, your victory is the gentle becoming of truth. When you, when you gently become that truth and become the light, what happens? What happens to all these ruffians and scribes and Pharisees. Is there a big battle? No. They just wither away because they realize, oh, I gotta, oh, I gotta cleanse my temple. I gotta get all of this shit out of it. Your victory is a gentle becoming of Christ. The light in this world. Make sure I didn't miss anyone here. Yeah, okay. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Christ is saying, With the power, if you embrace the power of the Almighty God, you can move mountains. But what else did he say there? It's a very important thing, and it's mentioned three different times moving forward, and I, get, I can guarantee almost everybody that reads the Bible misses it. We're going to focus on it right now. Let's read this again. Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree. Wait, wait, wait a second. So Jesus came along as the light, and what happened to that fig tree? What happened to the scribes and the Pharisees and the Jews? They, they withered away. What is the Bible telling you? If ye have faith and doubt not, Ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree. You can do it. We can make this quote-unquote fig tree wither away. We can make these ruffians and scribes and Pharisees go the fuck away. How do we do it? 
Don't listen to Marty Leeds. Read your damn book. Read your New Testament. Jesus will tell you. When light comes, darkness fades away. That's what Manly Palmer Hall said. He's just basically reiterating what Christ did. Twenty-one, twenty-two, and all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. This is what uh, this is what Chance Brew the Pious and I were talking about when I did his show over there. We were basically saying like something to the effect of like, in some weird way, in some like really creative, weird, you know, godlike, divine way, you get everything you ask for. Now it might not come as you thought, but you're going to get everything you asked for. So if we ask for peace, prosperity, and we live in that truth, right? And everyone does that. Where Where's the darkness going to go? It can't go anywhere. Light makes darkness fade away. That's how it works. That's how our entire cosmology works. You don't think it works for you? You don't think it works for evil? Christ is telling you it does. You can make the scribes and Pharisees wither away. And when he was come into the temple, the evil workings, the evil propagandists were there. The chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, Wait a second, bro. Wait a second. By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? How can you come into our temple when we're the special boys, we're the chosen ones, and now next thing you know, you're casting us out, you're calling us the criminals, you're calling us the den of thieves, the ven of diapers, the den of thieves, you're calling us that. Why, what authority do you do this? By God, because God is the authority. All Jesus is doing is recognizing what's absolutely true. Who's the authority? Look up the word authoritative passage or statement book or quotation that settles an argument passage from scripture authority where does it come from author who authors everything we know we know god god authored this world he gave us life and we will return to him there is no other authority besides god jesus comes in and just lets them know that he's like hey while you were all selling spirituality, which was all bullshit to people, you were trying to sell doves in peace, making money, making God, making money as your God. And now you're asking me, what authority do you do this? By God Almighty. That's why I could open a church and have all these orthodox and shit be like, oh, I don't give a shit what men have to say. I operate under the authority of God. Who cares what you have to say? Open your mouth, let your flapping trap flap. It does not matter doesn't matter. The reason that we're in the situation that we're in today in this world is because we do not understand who our authority is. The closer we get to understanding that authority and the more we become that gentle becoming of truth, the more light will, will shine in this world. And it's that simple. There's two ways. There's two ways. It's the, you know, it's the high road or the low road. There's the logos or there's, there's anti-logos. And that's it. You either, you either recognize virtue, charity, you know, uh, benevolence, being meek, love, compassion, virtue, all of that stuff. You either live that and live it to, and actually live it. Not Don't just go to Sunday and, you know, church on Sunday and repeat some shit some pastor told you. Live it. And that's the difference. That's how change is made in the world. You get one, you get, it's, you know, two choices, logos or anti-logos. 
And this is what Jesus is establishing. This is what the New Testament establishes, guys. Okay, we're establishing it. And all of these people rejected me, even though I fulfilled all their prophecy. You can either follow them and live in a world of hell that we're living in right now, that they that these, you know, that these guys, every Stein Singelberg Timowitz brings, or you can live in the light. It's your choice. It's that simple. And what happens when the light comes? Well, we just went through that. <clears throat> 2125, the baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? When John was, this is what Jesus is testing them right now. He's like, all the, all the multitudes know. I know. God knows. Everybody knows. When John was baptized, was it from a bunch of men or was it a heavenly, divine, sacred baptism? Well, we know the answer. <laughs> and then they start, as they, as they always say, reason with themselves. These Jews and scribes and Pharisees and ruffians. They start reasoning with themselves. And we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did you not believe John then? If, if, the, if John was baptized from heaven, then you should be following me because what did John do? He announced the word. But if we shall say of men, we fear the people for all hold John as a prophet. So they know what's right and wrong. They know that Christ is the savior. They know that John is a prophet and they still rejected him. They knew that the baptism was from heaven. And there's another line in here that people just kind of skip right over. But we're going to focus on it here because it's an important one. It's that one in red there in 26. It says what? Well, those scribes and Pharisees, all these people that are ruining our world right now, they fear the people. That's an important line. We'll get back to that. 21, 27, and they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. <laughs> they knew, but they lied. Like, oh, we don't know. Well, if you don't know, then you're certainly not getting to heaven. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. You don't, you don't, you're not worth it. In other words, I mean, of course, Jesus, everybody is all are equal under eyes of God, that sort of thing. I get it. But what he's saying is you haven't earned it. I don't, I don't, I don't have to answer to you at all. I answer to God. And he's telling them off. Look how many times Jesus has done some, you know, telling off of the scribes and the Pharisees and the ruffians throughout this whole thing. He's like sucklings and babes, goes tips over the money changers. Now he's like, I ain't telling you shit. I don't answer to you. I answer to God. This is a badass. This is why I keep saying Jesus is a rebel. He's a badass. He's the what, like the greatest trickster that's ever been here. And the modern churches are selling him as this like softy. He's like, yeah, it's totally okay with... LGBTQ and blah, 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 blah. And they answered Jesus, we cannot tell. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and this is where he goes on and gives a parable. Ready? Oh, let me, let me say this. I'm sorry, let me say this. When they say, I forgot this, I'm sorry. When they say from heaven or is it from men, or which, which is it? And they reason with themselves, right? This is what Gnosticism is all about. Once again, we've been preaching this for two years now or whatever it's been. Gnostics put their trust in God, not man. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. What authority do you do these things? God. There is no other authority, doofus. It's better to, this is the center verse in the Bible. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. This is for he taught them as having one authority. Who's the authority? God. That's it. And not as the scribes. What is the scribes? It's the teachings of men. 
Christ is coming and giving us that message right now. Then it gives the parable. But, uh, 21, 28. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. I'm not going to go work in your vineyard. But then afterwards, he's like, All right, I'll go work in the vineyard. And he repented, and then he went. That's the first guy. Okay? The second guy, Jesus comes to the second. He came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. I'll go into the vineyard. But then he didn't go. And then somebody asks, well, whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, the first. Or Jesus is asking, excuse me, whether, which one of them, of the two, in other words, had did the will of the father? And then the scribes of the Pharisees say, well, the first. And Jesus saith unto them, verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Okay. First off, basically what Jesus is saying is actions speak louder than words. It's exactly what we're talking about. It's exactly what we say all the time. Words, words, words. I'm so tired of listening to people with words, words, words. I got this to say. I got this theory. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you doing anything? So he's saying, actions speak louder than words. I'm The, the first is going to get in because even though he said he wasn't going to do it, he repented and he ended up doing it anyway. But then they go on to say this. Even after all of that, He's saying that Jesus is telling him, you're the last people that are going to get into heaven. And, the, and before you are going to go publicans and harlots. Do you know what a pub... Once again, these are unbelievably harsh words from Christ. Why is no church... Is not, why are the churches not understanding this? My Lord, listen to this. Verily I say unto you, you filthy Jews, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom before you. What's a publican? It's a Jewish tax collector. For the Romans. Jews went around working for the Romans, working for the state to terrorize the people. Oh my God, it's almost like we're doing it's it's almost like we've got that today. We're we're undergoing a genocide campaign right now. That's what's going on. The government is full on attacking us as citizens, governments around the world, and people are still paying their taxes. Ugh. The publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. What's a publican? It's a Jewish tax collector. What's a harlot? It's a whore. It's a whore. So in other words, Jesus is saying, even after you repented and said that, oh, okay, I'll follow you, people that are going to get in before you, tax IRS agents and whores. IRS agents and whores. Once again, this is why we need to go over this meticulously because these are unbelievably harsh words. And I've never heard a Christian minister even say it. So after that, the horrors and the IRS agents are going to go before you. Then he says, 21, for John came unto you in the way of righteousness. In the way of what? Being righteous. And, he, and ye believed him not. So John already came and you didn't believe him. These harlots and these IRS agents and harlots did. The publicans and the harlots believed them. And ye, when you had seen it, repented, not afterward, that ye might believe him. Let's go into the household. Here, there, and then he gives you another parable. And do you know what this parable is about? Israel and the Jews. Let's read through it. This whole chapter is Jesus Christ railing on the very people that are in positions of power today 
that are tearing down this nation and the nations across the world. Like it, don't like it, is it a harsh truth, don't care. Once again, I don't come, I don't worry about what men think. At all. Here's another parable, 33. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. What is the household in the vineyard? This is earth. A householder made the earth beautiful and bountiful, in other words. God Almighty came along and is like, I'm going to make you guys a winery. Check this out. Ready? We're gonna put. It's gonna. We're gonna get a vineyard. We're gonna put a hedge roll all around it. So it's gonna be really beautiful. In the middle, we're gonna dig this awesome wine press, and there's gonna be a tower in it. I mean, this place is gonna be beautiful. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna let it out to the husbandmen, and then I'm gonna go into a far country. I'm gonna lend it out to the people and go into a far country. And then he. Then he says, then when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. So God has given you everything, just as we say he owns everything. All returns to him, and we'll be judged upon that in our return. He gave us all of this and he said, here, here's the fruits, what are you gonna do with it? And what happens? Well, let's just read the rest of the parable. 35, 36, 37, 38, and the husbandman took his servants and beat one, and killed another, and stoned another. It's like, it's like when Jesus was calling out the Jews and said, you're of your father, the devil, and he was a murderer from the beginning. It's something like that. It's something like that that rings true. <laughs> YouTube is absolutely screwing with my numbers right now. Again, it's been, yeah, so just, yeah. again, he sent out other servants more than the first and they did unto them likewise, murderers from the beginning, like your father, the devil. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, they will reverence my son. They'll revere, okay, I get it. You guys were screwing up and you were murderers and you were a den of thieves and you were being complete, you know, uh, you know, sp you know, spiritually void and just wicked and all this other stuff. But you know what? Okay, I get it. I'm God. I understand. This is what I'll do. I'll send Christ down. I'll send my son and they'll surely revere him. They'll surely revere the Lord Jesus Christ. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said amongst themselves, they quote unquote reasoned amongst themselves. They did not reason with God Almighty. They said, this is the heir. This is the heir. The meek shall inherit the earth. What do you think that means? Who owns the earth? God. So if we're meek, submissive to God, what does that mean? We'll be unified with God and then what? Okay. So they will reverence my son. They will revere my son. But when the husband saw the son, they said amongst themselves, this is the heir. Let him come. Let us kill him. Let's put him on a cross. Put some nails in his hands and his feet. And let us seize on his inheritance. <laughs> and the rubbing of hands intensifies. I can, I can feel, this happened 2,000 years ago. I can still feel the heat from the rubbing of hands. <laughs> but some Negro stole my bike. Anyway, and they... <laughs> That's what you should be watching. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. They killed Christ. And there's the picture of these evil vineyard owners. It's almost like it's a timeless book. It's almost like this stuff is happening today. It's almost. 
When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? 41. The scribes say unto him, They will miserably destroy those wicked men. He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. What do you think that means? Okay, well, basically, you guys have been screwing this whole thing up for generation after generation. Even though the wisdom of Kabbalah, right, is, we, is found in Hebrew and all that other stuff, you haven't been custodians of it. You haven't been actually, you know, uh, understanding what the doctrine actually means. That's why Moses got pissed off at you in the first place. That's why the Old Testament is littered with story after story after story after story after story of what? The Jews not listening to God. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is, and it is marvelous in our eyes. What is the stone rejected? Basically, the stone rejected, I mean, we'll get into this right now, but the stone rejected is saying what? It's like, oh, the, the one that you the reverenced, the one that I sent that reverenced, that you should have put at the head of the corner, you cast out. It's just like when we when we watched the, the the Disney's The Sword and the Stone, and all of those warriors they tried to take the sword from the stone. Who was it? Who was the one that actually took the sword from the stone? It was the runt. It was little Arthur. It was the little guy that was like, "Oh, you got demerits. You have to do the dishes." It was the one that you rejected, and that's the one that came in as like, "I'm king." The stone which the builders rejected. Guess where this comes from, guys? Freemasonry. Freemasonry. You're not going to understand what this means at all unless you've done your study in Freemasonry. The ancient builders. The stone which the builders rejected is a phrase that comes from building. Freemasonic build, you know, building. The stone rejected. St. Matthew records that the Lord said to the chief priests and elders, Did you never read in the scriptures? It is an expression borrowed from the Masons who finding a stone which being tried in a particular place and appearing improper for it is thrown aside and another taken. However, at last, it may happen that the very stone which had been rejected may be found the most suitable as the headstone of the corner. And what does this rejected stone mean? It means it's, it's a consolation under all the frowns of fortune and as an encouragement to hope for better prospects. What do you think Christ's message is? Jesus is the chief cornerstone. They threw out the, the Savior because they're like, no, he, he said things that we didn't want to hear. They rejected truth. Talk about the truth community. They rejected truth because they did. It was too, too, it was too much. Couldn't deal. I can't deal with that. That's going to challenge everything I think. Wait, the truth comes and it finds out that I may be full of shit. No. Yes. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, Ephesians 20, 220. I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded, 1 Peter 2, 6. Okay. So the cornerstone is... Um, it's known at, in Judaism and Christianity because they were both temple builders. There's no, you know, all the culture. Once again, why do we revere all these cultures across the world? They were Masons, not Freemasons. They weren't down at the lodge shaking hands and shit, but they were Freemasons. They absolutely understood the cornerstone.
the chief cornerstone. This is right from the Freeman. I think this comes right from the Freemasonic Encyclopedia. In the Old Testament, it seems to have appeared. Uh, um, it seems to have always denoted a prince or a high personage the chief cornerstone, and the evangelists constantly use it in reference to Christ, who is called the chief cornerstone. In Masonic symbolism, it signifies a true Mason. A true Mason is a Mason of what? Christ. What do you think this means? Actually, let's look at this. Let's look at this one here. Um, this is the all-seeing eye of God. It's this. It's the. It's literally omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, past, present, and future. It's the Trinity. It's the thing that sees all things. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. That's in Psalm. I think it's in Psalms. Um, <clears throat> Behold the eye. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He doesn't sleep. It's the eye that's always open. It's the eye that looks upon the world and takes care of it. It's the divine watchfulness and care of the universe, an important symbol of the supreme being. It's found across the world. So when we see that Jesus is the chief cornerstone, there's a, there's a stone that's precious at the very top that's in the corner of the whole thing. And it's more special than all. It's elevated above the rest of them. It's metaphysical in its being. Notice on this is the, the, the dollar bill for all of you listening at home with the Gnostic Church Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. All of you that are listening at home, what is that? It's a metaphysical cornerstone. People see this symbol across, you know, the truther community and they're all like, Mathens, New World Order. There is a New World Order that this is referencing. Absolutely. And it has nothing to do with the New World Order that the ruffians and the scribes and the chief priests and the Jews are trying to bring forward. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, like it or not, is a symbol of Lord Jesus Christ. What's on the other side? It's a symbol of St. John. That is a symbol of St. John. He's the eagle. He's the, the rising in the phoenix, right? As we know, in the tetramorph. So people see all this and they assume new world order, it's all blah, 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 blah. No, that's a symbol of Christ. That's a symbol of St. John. And you truthers need to get your shit together. I know, Marty's kind of harsh today. It just is what it is. That doesn't matter. doesn't matter. The stone which the builders rejected the same has become the head of the corner, the top, the tippy top, the apex of that pyramid. 2143, Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you. Jesus comes along and he's taking the quote-unquote sacred, you know, the, the divine knowledge and all that other stuff He's letting that, that fig tree wither and he's taking it from the Jews and he's giving it to the people that are actual followers of Christ. Now, the problem that we have today is how many people are actually following Christ? Hardly any. So do we have a Jewish problem? Well, actually, I think we have a Jewish and Christian problem personally. Hence, once again, why I started this church. There's problems all around. Well, we just got to name those problems. And then I guess we'll just find out who's actually going to be honest with themselves. And more importantly, who's going to be honest with God.
2144, and whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be, listen to this. This is, this is Jesus sounding like a freaking like he's part of a mafia or something, dude. Like this is a, like, this sounds like a line from like, the, like one of the Godfather movies or something, right? It's like, and whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. You know what I mean? Like, can't you, can't you see, like, <laughs> anyway, it's just like, that's fucking wicked, man. He's like, oh, when this stone, this chief cornerstone, when it comes, it's going to fall on you, or if you fall on it, you're destroyed. Grind you to powder. Broken. That's what he's saying. And then the next line is this. And when those ruffians and those Jews and those chief priests and Pharisees and the scribes, they heard his parables, well, they perceived that he spake of them. He was. He was speaking right to you, directly to you, naming you. Last line. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Let's stop a second here. Let's just uh, get a little pause here, a little break. And let's just focus on <laughs> that those four words between those two commas there that's in yellow. They feared the multitude. Wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, wait a second. So you mean to tell me that all of these people that are, you know, like all of these people that are like destroying the world and trying to convince people through propaganda and temptations and contracts and things like that, that all of these people that are running the show and, you know, making us, you know, uh, handing us the immoralities and degeneracy and destroying our finances and destroying, you know, children's minds and literally pushing hookup culture and abortions and breaking down towers in New York City. All of these, guess what they do, guys? They fear us. They fear us. Don't listen to Marty Leeds. That comes straight from the mouth of your Savior. Those are four important, very important words right there. They feared the multitude. Why did they fear the multitude? Because what happens if we become the light? Well, then it's just, you know, just as Jesus said, we can make that fig tree just wither away right in front of us. We'll watch it happen. When light comes, darkness fades away. But they sought to lay hands on him. They really wanted to kill Jesus. But they, uh, they feared us. They fear us. They're a bunch of scaredy cats. They're a bunch of weak ass, you know, feeble-minded, completely deranged, psychopathic antichrist. And guess what? If you're shaking in your drawers even a little bit at these people, you're not listening to your Savior. You're not listening to God Almighty. Because guess what? They end this chapter saying, guess what, guys? Don't worry. You know, put your, put your doubts and your worries at ease because they fear us. And they certainly don't want you taking that into the world. And they sought to lay hands on him because they thought they were getting up to heaven, but they weren't. And chances are, you're going to get up to heaven because you guys are following Christ because you guys are good parts. You guys are good parts. Boom. Every week I do it somehow. Anyway. All right.
<laughs> YouTube, you suck. Quit screwing with my numbers. I can see it. So whatever. We, we're on to your shit, and we're not stopping. And this is going to remain up on YouTube. I don't care what you have to say. Oh, hate speech. We're not hating. White supremacy. No, I don't even believe in white people. I think that's ridiculous. Nazism. We're not political. What else you got? Come on. Come at me. Anti-Semitism. Oh, okay. Well, we study your language. We honor it. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Oh, you just don't want people to actually know the power of Christ. Oh, okay. Well, you come at me and I'll just get louder. Get that? You hear that? Hear how that works? God bless it. If you would like to become a good bird, you can become a good bird by becoming a good bird and subscribe star. And we have, I think we have 54 good birds, right? 54. 54. Mm -hmm. That's an important number. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's between my wife and I. Anyway, you can become a good bird at a subscribe star. You can become a phoenix bird, an Aquila bird, a sickness bird, or you can become Tommy the Pete Ma bird. That's right, Tommy. All right. And once again, donations, Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app. We really appreciate all the people that do uh, support the fine work that we do. We really appreciate that. And once again, if you'd like to uh, send anything, Kevin McNally, 7781 County Road 3440, Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. Dr. Bear Lando is here. What a great man. You, uh, we also like to thank Content Safe uh, for getting us on BitChute and Rumble and Odyssey and all that other stuff. And you can also get this sermon on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. That's right. Your Earth... You're being lied to. A bunch of scribes and Pharisees and ruffians are lying to you about your cosmology. That's okay. That's okay. It's time for you to come to the truth, though. Stop peddling any of that UFO space nonsense. It's not helping anything. Don't even interview people anymore that are, you know, or talk to people. No, I don't want to say that because that's just, no, I'm just being mean. But, you know what I mean? Like, that's over. It's done with. Okay? They're lying to you about where you live. Just embrace it. It's beautiful. All these flat earthers are amazing people, by the way. Um, you can get the Sunday sermons at the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. And you can also go to Flattoberfest, and that is, you can get the tickets at Flattoberfest.com, October 21st and 22nd, 2023. And you can meet the original good bird there. The original good bird <laughs> is our friend Chuck. Chuck's going to be there. Chuck. Find Chuck. Find Chuck is very, yeah, you got to hug, hug Chuck. Everybody's got to hug Chuck. He's very tall and He's tan. very tall and tan. And he just walks around. He's like, oh, the earth's flat. I mean, it's just, you know. So anyway, uh, uh, Confluence is coming up too. Uh, when is this? October 12th through the 15th. Bunch of really great people are going to be there. We wish we could be there, but we can't. So if you can go there, once again, I don't make any money for supporting this stuff. I just support good things. You can go to the church store, a bunch of books, Bible, rosary packages, music, and all that other stuff. And um, yes, that's right. I do have a record company, and hopefully my records will be for sale. Got like six or seven of them that are going to go for sale on national.com. That'll probably happen in the next month or so. Mr. Arcade is a busy man. So, um, and we do have some donations. I would just like to say thank you to all the people that do support the fine work here. And did you send me a thingy thingy? I think donations, you did. We forgot to thank some people last week, or I think I missed, or some people... Um, Okay, so people I missed for last week. Let's do this. Michael Shucknick, thank you so much, Mr. Michael Shucknick. We really appreciate you. Cody Van Dyke, love ya. Jam Grassi, thank you for being here and for your support, Jam. We really appreciate it. Jeremy Kukin, Kukin Dahl, Robert Questenberry, David McKinney, Khaled A. Al Lahela. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Khaled. 
<laughs> Sorry. We do have some people uh, that do follow from like India, and I know there's some people that from Iran that follow the church and things like that, which is pretty awesome. Matthew Joseph, Martin Weir, Leah Steele, love ya. Eugene Jacques, Jeremy Hines, thank you so much, Jeremy. God bless you. Roland Peters, Interverse Podcast, Deborah Shippers, Teague Mackin, Teague, great seeing you. Thank you so much for the 3142. You're a good man. Marshall Watson, Counterculture, Trevor Parrot, Trevor Parrot, thank you so much. Trevor's giving us, uh, getting us some. Um, um, vinyl for our vinyl sign that we're going to have going, which is awesome. Daniel Hager, thank you so much. Ray B, I just gave 50 a couple weeks ago. Never got a thank you, but it's cool. Ray B, you get two thank yous today. Thank you, 28. See what I did there? 28. Okay, thank you so much, Ray B. Thank you to all the good birds, and thank you. Oh, we got some super chats. Andrew Masonette coming in hot every week. We appreciate you so, so much. Another wonderful Sunday for church. Let's do this. Great. Great Sunday. Great church. Jenny G. Seven. The Brew Pious from Gartonville. 1111, how dare you? I used to say, uh, Small Axe says, I used to say money's the root of all evil, so here's a little evil for you to help you live a wee bit better. <laughs> it's good. Thank you, Small Axe. We appreciate that. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, as we know. So, um, excellent, excellent work. Thank you and many blessings. Jerry D., thank you so much. Logan Cook, some copper for the cistern. Thank you, Logan. Thank you so much. Bernadette O'Brien, Thank you. Stella. Stella. Good to see you, Stella. 999. Ben Krupa and I love this community. Thank you for the insights. Stella and Krupa, you guys are the you guys are the best. Jared Poole, another banger, Marty. Thank you so much. I knew you guys would love this today. Virginia Dare for an awesome sermon today. Thank you so much. Jean Vina, the truth seeker for the Jews. Thank you so much. Corby Olson, once again. God bless you. Crystal Rose bought two coffees. Christina Banks bought two coffees. Thank you so much. Michael, Michael Matthew Schlager from Venmo and Robert Questenberry. Pie heart. Thank you guys so much. God bless you guys. Thank you. Okay, that's going to do it. We're going to listen to a song called Off My Record called Opus Medico Musica that will be available at nationalrecords.com and soon enough. And this is called Song for the Damon. And this is really what we're all about. We choose love. This, the chorus is, is we choose love, love, love. I choose love, love, love. If for no other reason than because I choose love. This is this kind of songs I sing. So when people come along and be like, oh, I hate speech. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you know what you're talking about. So we're going to listen. It's called Song for the Damon, and it will be available very soon at nationalrecords.com. Okay, guys. Thank you so much. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Be good to people out there. Be good to one another out there. Do not let hate fill your heart. Do not, do not let... <clears throat> Scribes and Pharisees, ruin your world. Let's bring the light of truth and Christ into this world again. We need it. Your children need it. We all need it. We're tired of this nonsense. And there's only one way out of this, and that is through the, through the good Lord, through God. Okay, that's going to do it. Guys, let's, let's jam out. We will see you next Sunday. We love you all very much. God bless each and every one of you, okay? All right. As always, many blessings and much love to all.
What's below? 